Well, it is a new year, 2022. It's January 2nd, so how many of you have already failed to keep your New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Are? So, so I think you're still in that grace window, right, where you can make resolutions. And so some of us have made some. Some want to eat better. Some want to exercise more. Some want to lose weight. Some want to save more. Some want to get things done around the house. Some want to read their Bibles more, right? We're all making these resolutions this time of year, and, and many of them are good and right. I, I want to suggest to you one more to add to your list this year. might seem a little left field, and if it does, then, then I'm thankful you're hearing it because this is, this is part of our calling as a church, and this morning's passage calls us to it. The, the resolution I want to suggest to you, church, is that this year, in 2022, you would grow as a sender of missionaries. You would grow in your role, your calling, to be a sender of missionaries. Now, by sender, I'm referring to the reality in the New Testament that while all disciples are called to make disciples, that no one's exempt from that commission, that when it comes to missions, there are some disciples who go while other disciples send. We see this in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, the church at Antioch is praying and fasting, and the Holy Spirit sets apart Paul and Barnabas to go on a missionary journey. The Holy Spirit doesn't set apart the whole church. He sets apart Paul and Barnabas. And the church prays and lay their hands on Paul and Barnabas. And they send Paul and Barnabas on their journey. The church sends and Paul and Barnabas go. We see Paul talk about it in Romans 10. He's talking about those who have not heard. He says, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Again, there are some who go and preach the gospel. And there are others who send the people who go. And we've seen it in where we've been recently in Matthew 9 and 10 in our series through Matthew. That This whole section began with Jesus speaking to all of his disciples and he says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And then he turns around and he calls 12 of that larger group of disciples and he sends those 12 into the harvest. Not every disciple is commissioned in the same way. All the disciples pray for laborers. Some disciples are called to be the laborers in the harvest fields of missions. Now this morning, Redeemer Church, at this time, in this place, most of us this morning are called to be senders, which is why you're not somewhere else right now. Right? Most of us are called right now, in this moment, to be senders. That is God's calling on your life, to be someone who sends the laborers. We're not the ones going across the world to those who've never heard the gospel. We're the ones who are staying and supporting those Christ has sent to labor in his harvest fields. And that's not just a hobby for some Christians. That's a calling for every one of us. Every one of us is called to missions. Every one of us is called to this global work of making disciples. Many of us are called to the role of sending. And so, again, a simple news resolution. Let's grow in our calling as those who send. Let's grow as senders. You can open your Bibles to Matthew 10. We're in the final section of this chapter, which we've been looking at for the last month or so, where Jesus is giving his disciples instructions 
as he sends them out, the 12 disciples, he's sending them on, on mission to extend his ministry, to proclaim the gospel. Jesus has been, has been telling them what to do. And one thing he's been telling them over and over again is that as you go with the gospel into uh, the, the world and toward the lost, you will be persecuted. You will face danger. You will face hostility. You may even face death. But as he closes these words, these final instructions, Jesus closes with encouragement. Though many will persecute them. He says some will receive them. Some will support them. Some will help them as they go. They will not be alone in this mission. And church, that's, that's us. That's, that, that's the church. That's the local church who sends or the ones who, who help missionaries to realize you are not alone. You may, you may be persecuted. You may be facing hostility. You may, you may be facing suffering, but you are not alone. You have people behind you supporting you and helping you and encouraging you. The main idea of this morning's passage, I'll give it to you now and then we will read it together. The main idea is this. Whoever recognizes and receives Christ's laborers will share in their reward. Whoever recognizes and receives Christ's laborers will share in their reward. And we'll talk as we go about what each of those things mean and what that means for us today. Whoever recognizes and receives Christ's laborers will share in their reward. Our passage is Matthew 10, verses 40 through 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This passage speaks of the support and the help and encouragement that, that the disciples will face as they go, that they will receive as they go. And, and for us as senders, it, it calls us to grow, and it, and it tells us three things that will help us grow as senders in 2022. Three things that will help us to grow in our sending this year. So church, first, senders must recognize Christ's laborers. Senders must recognize Christ's laborers. Now, over the last year, I've, I've realized in my phone, and you guys probably realize this too, that, that you're getting more and more spam calls, aren't you? Anyone else? Like your spam's filling up your, your phone all the time and your text messages. And, and, you know, they're so good at it too. Like they, they, they take our area code. So you can't, it's not, gonna, it's not an 800 number, now, now it's a 256 number, right? And, and you pick it up, and they're like, oh, hey, how are you? They, they, they talk like they know you. They talk like they're your friend, and, and they get you, right? Until you realize that, that that's spam, and, and, and we learn over time to recognize uh, what's, what's a call that is actually for me and what's just spam. Listen, when it comes to missions, when it comes to missionaries, there are many false laborers out there. There are many people who claim to represent Christ, who claim to be taking the gospel of Jesus, who claim to be doing good works in the world, who actually are not legitimate, who are not his laborers. And we need to learn to recognize who are actually Christ's laborers. We see this in Matthew 10 when Jesus talks about the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. This reception is based on realizing this is a prophet. This is a righteous person. This is a disciple. We recognize that they are valid representatives of Christ. Now stay with me. This is, this is important because 
Even now in our church, we announced a few weeks ago that one of our missionaries is, is not going to be going back to the field in the indefinite future. And as that happens, we are going to be looking to support a new missionary. We're going to be prayerfully seeking out who can we come alongside and partner with and invest in. And we want to know who, who is Christ's laborer. We don't, we don't want to give support as a church to someone who's not actually representing Christ. So what are we looking for? That's the burden of this, of this question this morning. We, we need to know what, what we're looking for. What marks a laborer of Christ? Well, first, we need to recognize them by their message. By their message. Jesus speaks of his laborers as prophets here, doesn't he? The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is a spokesperson for God. Right? A prophet is someone who speaks for God. And just notice the claim of Jesus in that. As, as I send you, you're speaking for God. As you proclaim me, you're, you are proclaiming on behalf of the one true God. We need to recognize them by their message. What is this person saying? Many people will say they're preaching the gospel. They will say they're preaching Jesus. But if you start asking questions, you'll realize they're, they're not preaching the true Jesus. They're not preaching the true gospel. Do you know how many false gospels have been exported throughout the world because someone gave money to a missionary who didn't know the gospel? How many missionaries are we sending today to places that have been reached because when you actually go there, you realize this church doesn't know anything about the gospel? They don't understand it because someone supported a false missionary. So what is their message? Is it the true gospel? And so church, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation for sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the good news of salvation for sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is a message that tells us about the one true God who created all things and created you and I in his image and for his glory. And the gospel tells us a story that though this one true God created us for his glory in his image that we rejected him. We have sinned against him. We have fallen from him. And now we deserve his judgment. We are under his wrath and we are destined for hell and we are hopeless in that. There's nothing we can do to, to atone for what we've done. There's nothing we can do to change what we've done in rejecting the one true God, the giver of life. We are hopeless, eternally hopeless, left to ourselves. And yet the gospel tells us that this God sent his only son into the world as a man, fully God, becoming fully man, to live a perfect life, to live the life that we did not live, and then to die a sacrificial death for our sins on the cross, to die in our place, to take the wrath of God for us, to take on the judgment we deserve so that we can be forgiven. He rose again, and now everyone who calls on his name in faith and repents of their sin and renounces living for themselves and, and puts their trust in Jesus will be saved. This is the good news. This is the gospel that we proclaim. This is the gospel that a missionary must proclaim. So as we seek to recognize Christ's laborers, we need to ask, is that their gospel? Paul said in Galatians that if anyone preaches a gospel different from the one he preached, even an angel, or even if he himself came preaching a different gospel than that gospel, let him be accursed. There is no other gospel. There is no other good news. This is the gospel that we must send out into the world. So we recognize laborers by their message, and second, we recognize them by their fruit. Notice, he doesn't just call them a prophet, he calls them a righteous person. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person. This is so significant. Because it's one thing for someone to know their theology. It's another thing for them to, to 
have been changed from the inside out through faith so that they live a life of righteousness, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, living a life of love and joy and peace, living a life that represents that gospel, that adorns that gospel. Jesus sends us as lights into a dark world, so is this person a light? And and you know what this implies is that we need to know those we send, right? If we're going to send someone, we need to have some knowledge of them. We need to have some knowledge of their life, some knowledge of their fruit to be able to say, this person, yes, they preach the gospel, but they also live the gospel, and they're going to represent the gospel wherever they go. These are the ones that we are to recognize as Christ's laborers, those, those who preach the gospel and those who bear the fruit of the gospel. Turn with me to Second John and Third John, these two little books that we often wonder, what are these books about? Why are they here? Why are they so short? Second John and Third John, towards the very end of your New Testament. It's right after First John. Look at this in Second John. John is writing to this church, and in Second John, verse 7, look at what he says. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we've worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And then look, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. What's John saying there? He's saying that if someone comes to you and they are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ, do not receive them. Do not welcome them. If you partner with them, then you are taking part in their wickedness. It's a warning that you should not receive those who are not true messengers of Christ, who do not have the message of the gospel. And then look in 3 John, one page over in your Bible, in 3 John, we see something very similar happening. It says, verse 5, Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love for the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing and talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So, so what's, again, what's happening there is there, there are missionaries coming. They've gone out for the sake of the name. And he's saying, receive them. Welcome them. See their lives. See their testimony. They love Jesus. They love people. Support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Don't be like Diotrephes who, who rejects them. So, so we see this playing out in Scripture, and this, and this needs to play out in our church too. As, as we consider who we will support, we need to be asking, what is their message? What is their fruit? Are they preaching Jesus? And are they loving people the way Jesus calls us to love? And so I want to ask you as a very specific application this morning in 2022 that you would commit to praying together for discernment as we seek who we might support in the future as Redeemer Church and missions. Pray that God would give us discernment. Pray that God would lead us to, to someone who preaches the gospel and who bears the fruit of the gospel in their lives, that we could send them out and become fellow workers with them in the truth. Senders must recognize Christ's laborers. Second, senders must receive Christ's laborers. 
This concept of receiving dominates the passage in Matthew 10. The word receive happens over and over again. But in order to apply the passage, we need to understand that, that this word receive was a very literal receiving that Jesus was speaking of in Matthew. You, you see, when a missionary went out in New Testament times, they couldn't just check into the Best Western. Right? They, they, they needed to stay somewhere and literally had to be received into someone's home. Received spoke of the hospitality that they relied on to do their mission. This is the kind of receiving Jesus is speaking of here. It's this, this, this ministry of hospitality that, that was to be extended. The one who receives you. You receive a prophet. You receive a righteous person. He's speaking of the ministry of hospitality that the church should show to those he sends. And with that said, it's important to notice that hospitality can take on a variety of forms. Re- receiving is, is not just something that happens in bringing someone into your home. Look in verse 42 the image Jesus used, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. When you think about it, church, these are, again, laborers in the harvest fields. Right? They are, they are laboring. They are out in the field. They are toiling. The sun is hot. The work is hard. They are tired. They are thirsty. And they come to you. And Jesus says, if you give them even a cup of cold water, you'll by no means lose your reward. A cup of cold water, receiving, hospitality. This, this is what we are called to, a ministry of receiving and refreshing and supporting and encouraging those who go. This is what the Apostle Paul wanted when he was making plans to visit Rome on his way to Spain. You know, the, the book of Romans is an amazing book about the gospel, but, but on the very edges of it is, is this idea that Paul's saying, I'm going to come visit you. And, and, and I can't wait to get to you. And he says in Romans 15:32, Pray that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Here's a missionary trying to get on his way to Spain. He's been in prison. He's been suffering. He's trying to get to Spain to take the gospel. And he says, I'm going to come to you. And I pray that I can get there so that I can be refreshed by you. Because I, I need a cup of cold water from you. That's what Paul wanted. That's what we're called to do. We're called to receive and refresh those who are sent. Now there's two concepts in this passage that we should keep in mind as we consider this ministry of hospitality, this ministry of receiving and refreshing missionaries. First, this concept of union with Christ. Look at verse 40. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Jesus identifies himself with his laborers in such a way that what we do for them, we do to him. Just as later in Matthew, he will say, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. That's what's happening here. It says, says when I was needing to be received, you received me by receiving one of my laborers. See, we are all united to Jesus Christ in his body. And when we receive and show hospitality to and minister to his missionaries, that this is a way for us to actually express love to Jesus, church. This Jesus who died for us that we just sang about and took communion to remember and, and, and said that he, he's worthy of our lives and that he's our, he's our hope and he's, he's our, our joy. This Jesus, we get to love him by receiving and welcoming missionaries in his name. And in doing that, we get to worship the Father because Jesus was sent by the Father. He says, whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So so make the connection here. 
this is a worthy resolution, right? Because, because in doing these things, we get to love Christ. We get to worship the Father who has so identified himself with this church that to bless and love and serve his laborers is to bless and love and worship him. Another concept that comes through in this passage as we consider this ministry is the concept that Christ's laborers, he calls little ones. Verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple. So this phrase, little ones, this is a way that Jesus would refer to his disciples in general. And here's why it's so important that he says it here. Because we get this idea that missionaries are super Christians, right? We get this idea that they're they're the holy ones, they're the ones that have it all together, they're the ones that that are really close to God, they're the ones that, that don't struggle. No, that's not true. They are little ones, just like you and I are little ones. And as little ones, that means they are dependent, they struggle, they get tired, they get weary. And so it just, it just corrects this false assumption that we make that missionaries are, are super Christians. right? No, they're not. They're, they're disciples just like you and me, who Christ has called to go. And we're the ones called to send them and support them. So how can you give a cup of cold water to a missionary this year? 2022, what does that look like? Just a few ideas. Pray for them regularly. Maybe make a note somewhere that, put a reminder on your phone or, or put a note somewhere in your house that reminds you to pray for them regularly. And when you do, text them and say, I prayed for you or how can I pray for you? Give to them, support them financially. Do what you can. you can. You can obviously give through the church as we support them, but you can also give to them just directly. Just find, uh, we can connect you to their giving platforms to encourage them that way. You can write them. We've done this before, we're doing it again. I have a, a bulletin right here, uh, a bulletin board with a list of our missionaries and their names uh, for each missionary we support. There's the, the husband and the wife and their children here. And so after the service, you can sign up today and you can just say, okay, I'm, I'm Tim Haynes and I'm going to write a letter to uh, Scott Kemp and... And we'll do that together and write them. And what, that, I mean, that's a cup of cold water, right, for a missionary on the field who's laboring and weary to, to get a letter from someone in their church who, who, or just any church that they are connected with to say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and, and we love you and we're thankful for you. That's a cup of cold water. Visit them. Perhaps you have an opportunity to, to actually go and, and be where they are. Go visit the Lewises in Canada or, or go visit the Haynes in Hawaii. I mean, really, like you should do that, right? They're in Hawaii. So, but visit them. Host them when they come. We're going to have missionaries coming our way. We have some that are with us right now. Host them. Uh, refresh them. When missionaries do come to visit us, church, we shouldn't just... We shouldn't just ask them to do all these things for us, we should, we should refresh them. We should, we should encourage them. We should let them just be with us and enjoy that fellowship. But we want to be a church that, that knows how to give a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty because they've been laboring in the field. This is our calling. We recognize Christ's laborers. We receive them. And then, church, here's, here's the joy of this. The third thing we see is senders will share in the reward of Christ's laborers. We all know that if we're going to keep our New Year's resolutions, we need to be properly motivated, right? And Jesus motivates us here for this calling. What is the motivation for being this kind of sender 
What's the motivation for this kind of ministry to Christ's labors? And Jesus tells us, here's the motivation. You will share in their reward. If you decide I'm not going to participate in sending missionaries, I'm not, I'm not going to seek to support them or encourage them or show them hospitality, then, then here's what you're missing. You're missing the reward that they will receive. Jesus says the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So again, the main idea this morning, whoever recognizes and receives Christ's laborers will share in their reward. And so then here's the question, what is the reward? What reward is being held out to us? And there's two passages that I want to look at in Paul's letters that help us understand the reward of missionaries that we get to share in. First, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with me. 1 Thessalonians 2. Again, when we read Paul's letters, we're reading, we're reading letters from a missionary, letters from someone who went out and planted churches and is writing to these churches that he planted. And look in 1 Thessalonians 2, as he writes to this church in Thessalonica that he planted, and, and he says something here that, that really illuminates for us what the reward is. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. What, what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? You are our glory and joy. See, the reward of missionaries is the people who came to Christ through their ministry, the people that, that God used them to reach. He says, that's my joy before the Lord at his coming, is that he, he used me to reach you. This, this is my crown. This is my joy. This is my reward. Now let's look at one other passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Very similar, but it just takes us a little bit deeper into why this is Paul's joy. Why is it Paul's joy that for people to come to Christ through his ministry? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. He says here, For it is all for your sake, my ministry is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So what was Paul's reward? Well, it was the people who came to faith in Christ. And why was that such a reward for him? Why was that such a joy for him? Because those people, as they experience the grace of God, give thanksgiving to the glory of God. And Paul's ultimate desire is to enjoy that glory. Paul loves the glory of God. And any true believer in Jesus loves the glory of God. That, 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 that is what our heart delights in. It's the glory of God being savored and, and made known and enjoyed by as many people as possible. And so a missionary has a, a difficult life in so many ways, and yet they have a great reward as they labor, as they toil, as they work. They get to see this reward of more and more people coming to Christ and, and the, the glory that brings the Father. But then Jesus says to us, who, are, who, who may never see the field, who may never go into the harvest, he says, you get to share that reward when you enter into partnership with them. You get to share the reward too. 
for all the people behind the scenes who pray and encourage and write letters and give, you get to share the reward of seeing more and more people come to Christ and giving glory to God. That's why it's worth it. That's why it's worth it to take intentional time to write a letter to a missionary. To take intentional time to pray for a missionary. To have lunch with a missionary because we get to share in the reward of seeing more people come to Christ. I ran across a, a blog from Tim Challies a few weeks ago, and he was reflecting on this Olympic swimmer who won gold. You guys may have seen this, that, that the swimmer won gold, and, and the coach was being filmed up in the stands, and the coach was just going crazy. I mean, he was just, yes, you know, and jumping up and down, and he, I mean, he looks ridiculous in the video. The coach goes absolutely crazy because his swimmer wins gold. And, and Challies was reflecting on this, and he says, this, oblivious to the cameras, capturing every moment, the coach yells and gesticulates madly in joy and celebration. He's very nearly overcome. And well, he should be, for though he's not the one who swam the race, or the one who will soon have a gold medal to hand around his neck, he still shares in the victory. And because he shares in the victory, he shares in its glory. And just so, God arranged life in this world so that rewards are dispensed, not just to the conspicuous few, but to the unseen many. No great accomplishment, no great triumph, no great success in the history of the Christian church, or the history of your life or mine, can be attributed solely to the individual who receives the acclaim. Though some may go unrecognized here, they shall be commended by the one who sees and knows all things. The ones who sow shall rejoice as much as the ones who reap, the ones who supported as much as the ones who accomplished. Those who shared in the labor shall share in the results and share in the reward. Church, I want to call you to labor in your sending as much as those who labor in their going. We know those who are going, how much they're doing for the advancement of the gospel. Let's labor like that on their behalf, in our prayers, with our time, with our money. Because if we do together, we will share in the reward. And the reward is nothing less than the magnification of the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why we do it. This is our calling. This is something that we can grow in in 2022. So let me pray for us. The Lord would help us to obey his words here to us.